Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joel Craft, coming to you from KKXX Studios. Chico Live Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Friday evening, where we have the opportunity to continue our reflections into the Gospel for Sunday. It is the fourth Sunday of Advent, and this fourth Sunday of Advent has us reflecting into the wonderful example of Mary's yes, among other things. And I am excited this evening to have a former guest on, Deacon Ray Helgeson, Deacon up at uh, St. Thomas more Catholic Church in Paradise. So, Deacon Ray, great to have you with me this evening. Thank you, Joe. It's very good to be with you as well. So, Deacon Ray, really it is always an honor and a privilege to be able to reflect upon the Blessed Virgin Mary. And this evening we're going to look at Mary and what makes her the model disciple. One of the things that really struck me earlier today as I was thinking about all that we're going to talk about this evening is how we think about a role model. Okay, so we all have role models. Growing up, um, I grew up playing basketball, so my role model was Michael Jordan, for better or worse, right? (laughs) Maybe if you play basketball today, it would be LeBron James. If music is your thing, maybe your role model is Taylor Swift. Or if you're an actor, it might be a Morgan Freeman. Whoever it may be, uh, there's something about a role model. I mean, if they're your role model, then they have some kind of influence upon you. And if they were to speak, you certainly would listen. Uh, Maybe you even go out of your way to get to know more about them so as to arrive at at the greatness of that person, Uh, whether it be LeBron James, Taylor Swift, or Morgan Freeman. Well, Mary is our model Christian disciple, huh? And God wants us to do our homework, to see the greatness of her yes, and to learn from that yes. And so in many ways, Uh, This is what uh, this evening is about again, to be able to look at Mary and maybe in the same way we look at these other figures and say, you want to know what? I'm going to get to know you better so as to come to understand why she said all generations shall call me blessed. Okay, Deacon Ray, with that, why don't we go ahead and get our evening going with the gospel? Very good. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of David his father, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. But Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no relations with a man? And the angel said to her in reply, 
the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible for God. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The Gospel of the Lord. Amen. Thanks for reading that, Deacon Ray. You know, I still remember the first time I read this narrative seriously. And the phrase that stood out to me was, how can this be? Or as the better translation would have it, how will this be, right? And I remember then reading it, thinking to myself, gosh, Mary is doubting, (laughs) right? I mean, she does not believe in what is about to happen. And then I took a step back and I read the whole chapter in context. And then I really started to get underneath the language, and something really started to jump out at me. And that's what Luke wants us to see. The opening angelic exchange is not between the angel Gabriel and Mary, but a quote-unquote angel of the Lord and Zechariah. In that conversation, you have an exchange where there's inquiring going on, but an inquiry that is filled with doubt. An inquiry that looks upon the situation, and it is one filled with skepticism. Conversely, Mary, how will you do this? I know you will do this. I just don't understand how you will do this because I know not man. I think we can best put it in this context. Today, when someone questions something, there's a tendency to put the word question within the context of doubt. I doubt that, right? I question that. Versus, I have a question for you, and in this question that I have for you, I seek to generally understand you and your situation better. Okay, that kind of mode of questioning gets to the truest sense of the meaning of the word, to quest, to seek to understand. Mary is the embodiment of what it means to inquire, to seek to understand, You know, Dick and Ray, we often hear the word theology. What does the word theology mean? In its most classical sense, it means what? Fides corins intellectum, faith-seeking understanding. Mary is the icon of this great definition of theology. She is the first theologian who seeks to understand in light of faith. And that's the point we are made to see. With Zechariah, there is an absence of faith. With Mary... There is a fullness of faith. John Paul II wants us looking in on that moment, the let it be to me, and begin to inquire about Mary's interior attitude of faith, about Mary's disposition. Just as Zechariah doubts, Mary accepts. I think there's something, uh, as we're discussing this similarities and the distinctions between Zechariah and Our Lady, I think what you brought out at the beginning really struck a chord with me that we all have role models, and our Lord God himself has given us Mary among many others as role models in our lives. And when you said that, what struck me was the sense of a role model 
is always pointing to something beyond them. Mm. So that even in the season of Advent, we're, we're, we're given through the scriptures a focus on John the Baptist, who we know was chosen to point to someone beyond himself. And the way that he really embraced God's word and lived that word in his life, he's a role model for us. Yet he's always he's pointing to something beyond himself. Mm. And Our Lady, in this passage that we're given today from this gospel, we're given this intimate communication between the angel and Our Lady, but she is, even in her question, which is how is this going to take place, she's pointing to something beyond herself. She isn't allowing her lack of understanding to kind of pull in on herself. Mm-hmm. She continues to point beyond herself, which is what a true role model does, is uh, allowing that communication between the two not to stifle in the communication, but always to go beyond mm-hmm. who she is and what she's pointing to, just mm-hmm. by her life of faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Deacon Ray, as you mentioned faith there, it brings me back to that interior attitude of faith I mentioned earlier. What is the interior attitude of faith? Well, for John Paul II, it is to be in relationship with God, not yet in action. It defines the essence of what we mean when we talk about disposition, being ready and willing. Okay, her question, how can this be, is always to be seen in light of that interior attitude of faith, in light of that disposition because that's where it comes from. Not not a question full of doubt again, but a question that is earnestly seeking to understand. And you spoke to it so beautifully, Deacon Ray. It's a question that is pointing beyond herself. I mean, Mary is the advent of Christ anywhere and everywhere in sacred scripture, right? From this great narrative of the Annunciation to next week, we will be hearing about the birth of Jesus, uh, to the finding of Jesus in the temple, to to Canaan, to the cross. There's Mary preparing, mediating. Uh, I'm thinking of Cana and those great words, do whatever he tells you, huh? (laughs) You know, on this topic of faith, Deacon Ray, one thing I wanted to make sure we hit home hard was this aspect of trust. Trust is the most concrete act and virtue of faith. So it is right, as we talk about Mary's interior attitude of faith, that it would be this great act of trust that would carry out her mission from the crib to the cross. What did Simeon say? A sword shall pierce your heart. You know, in that moment, certainly Deacon Ray, (laughs) uh, she might not be able to fathom the horror of the crucifixion, but she was made to ponder, as Luke reminds us, ponder the significance of such words. Ponder the significance of, of finding Jesus in the temple. Ponder uh, the horror of the crucifixion and why it was necessary. And I think a way that, uh, as we were talking before coming on the air, this aspect of expectation, which Advent is a wonderful season for expectation, because the very foundations of our faith of God taking on flesh, uh, is at the foundation of our faith, and Christ coming at the end of time, uh, that's at the foundation of our faith. So that we're given this season in a very particular way so that our expectations of 
being in a relationship with God in a closer way and, of course, uh, receiving eternal life from him at the end. Uh, this is why the season is given to us, so that that expectation can turn to true hope, and hope being, as we're describing this, Our Lady is grasping the message which is going to lead to hope rather than allowing an expectation like Zechariah. We don't know for sure, but Zechariah has an expectation that is causing him to go away from the message in a certain sense. Mm -hmm. And as we go through Advent, we can allow our expectations of things we need in our lives, of things we want in our lives, of we can allow expectations that we have internally to somehow get a little bit in the way of what God is offering us. Mm-hmm. Because what he's offering us is a relationship, a more full relationship with his own divine son. Uh, this really struck me in reading one of the readings uh, during the Advent season from St. Hippolytus, where he says, and I have it here, he says these words, he's talking about scripture but he's saying how we really need to be acquainted with Scripture, and he goes on to say that we should believe them, in other words, what Scripture is proclaiming, in the sense that the Father wills, Mm. thinking of the Son in the way the Father wills. So God is offering us his message in Scripture. He is offering us his beloved Son to be in intimate relationship with him, So to allow our expectations to really go into that virtue of hope, Mm -hmm. and hope is really embracing what God wants for us, Mm -hmm. not Mm -hmm. allowing our wants, even though they're valid, but not allowing our wants to get in the way of what God wants for us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And even in Mary's, uh, in the case of the gospel, we just uh, heard that the angel addresses her, Hail, full of grace. Mm. She has that purity of heart, which is able to continue to reach out to God, continue to listen to the message, even when she doesn't understand it, rather than allowing something within her to somehow dampen the message. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, as you're talking there, Deacon Ray, one of the things that strikes me is the relationship between, as you were talking, expectation and trust. You know, with Zechariah, his expectation is, and his observation, (laughs) is built upon his understanding, right? Which is, okay, fair enough, right? We've all been there. It's that Proverbs 3-5 moment. Do not rely on what you think you know, but trust in the wisdom of God. What's the disposition of the wisdom of God? But to be on bended knee, Mary is the icon of wisdom because she embodies the spirit of the Anawim, the poorest of the poor, one who literally translated that Hebrew word Anawim, bent over. Something else here, Deacon Ray, as you were talking, you know, as it relates to Mary's response, the phrase, let it be to me, in the Greek is a rendering of something that comes deep within, that is wished and desired. So, Mary's response is not one that is some passive submission, one where she was holding back. No, her let it be to me is, okay, I understand what you are saying insofar as I can understand it, and I desire it from the bottom of my heart. 
I desire it. She says from the bottom of my heart, like no one has ever said from the bottom of my heart. She wished it. I mean, how many times do we say, yes, Lord, and we grumble, right? <laughs> no, she was desiring to do the will of the Father, which again bespeaks her interior attitude of faith and her disposition. Um, she was not disgruntled, but no, she, she readily embraced it. And again, this is why John Paul II uh, speaks to the importance of the interior attitude of faith. And it leads to, even within, as you're speaking there, the hope and, and the joy that's starting to well up within Mary's heart. Mm. Mm-hmm. Just from the way you've described those words, she is embracing the message, which brings her hope. But also there's that, that hint of joy that's actually beginning within her heart as she is fully accepting this word. Mm. Yeah, Benedict XVI's words, right? Joy is the first proclamation of the New Testament. Uh, And what does Mary do? She does not hesitate. She arises and she shares this joy. The rejoice, or the kekari tomene, the charis is, is the joy, is the grace. And it's interesting, as we are now in the fourth Sunday of Advent, Deacon Ray, that we would and get these sets of verses, this gospel, so close to Christmas and certainly the Epiphany. Because if there is an overture to the fourth Sunday of Advent and Christmas, certainly it is joy. Because not only do you have the words this week, rejoice, in this great citation, but also uh, Christmas Day and the Epiphany. What was the excitement of the Magi? Uh, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. No, this, in the Greek, this explosive joy, um, this active joy, this dynamic joy, I've noted in the past, you know, that's a Greek term. The Greek is usually very economical, one, two, maybe three syllables. In this case, 11 syllables. The English tries to render this Greek, and it, it, it does its best. It doesn't have the same, uh, you know, flexing power, if you will. But the idea here is, indeed, joy is the overture and this is a joy that comes out from this disposition that we're talking about, and certainly the hope that emerges from accepting this announcement. Yes. I think there's, <clears throat> excuse me, there's this beautiful connection between, I think, hope and hope from the sense of really embracing God's message in the way that he intends us to embrace it. And the message itself contains the joy that we're speaking about now Mm. and that surrounds this season. Mm. I think that's why sometimes expectations, uh, we were talking about the distinction between expectation and hope earlier. The expectation, if it rests only with me, then I'm cutting myself short of the the real beauty of the message. Mm -hmm. There's a sense of hope that uh, really comes clear to me from this small little five-year-old girl who my wife and I, when we were back in Steubenville, we went over to visit this family, and this uh, the mother came up and uh, addressed us, and the little girl came up, and she was full of excitement, and she just said, Deacon Ray, it's so good to see you, and she jumped up, and I grabbed her, hmm. and I said, Lucy, what's going on? And she goes, we're going to Sandusky, which is an amusement park, and mm-hmm. and she was just full of excitement and hope mm-hmm. and and her mother later said, I couldn't have told her, which is, we're going in two days. I couldn't have told her earlier because we couldn't live with her. Yeah. <laughs> but because of her mother's promise, 
Mm. Her little heart was filled with the joy of what her mother was offering her. Mm. She hadn't experienced it yet, Mm -hmm. but it was so real to her in her heart. And I think that's what our Lord is trying to help us see through this Advent season, that his son has come in the flesh Mm -hmm. to be among us and to draw us back to the Father, and he will come again. And as that message makes its way more and more fully into our heart, not simply in our head, but in our heart, then the real joy of what that message entails overcomes us. Mm. Yeah, and what is that message? (laughs) The message is, I love you. And as you put it so beautifully, to understand it, just not in mind, but also in heart, to understand in the heart Christ's words, I love you, to come to know the the wellspring of life that is contained in those words, I love you. We hear those words from our loved ones, Deacon Ray, and do we not have an extra bounce in our step? Because we know well the person saying to us, I love you. To know who Jesus Christ is in mind and heart is to leap for joy, is to rejoice exceedingly with great joy, huh? Because the life-giving power behind those words, I love you. This whole idea of being docile, oh, that was a key word in one of our previous conversations, and it really struck me. I went back and checked what that word means, and it's a word that means literally in the Latin one who is easily taught, one who is easily taught, one who, who is obedient. Okay, that's the Latin. And how beautiful is that? So what are we made to see here? Well, when Mary is exercising her obedience, she is docile to the Holy Spirit. Obedience and docility become one and the same thing. You know, she is, what does the word obedience mean? Obadire, to listen. When we listen, um, we are going to be easily taught. Um, but it's just not about listening in of itself. It's about listening and at the same time saying with Mary, let it be to me, responding with that yes. Now, it's interesting, Deacon Ray, as I'm talking about this, everything that we've talked about up to this point is really underscored by the truest meaning of faith as it comes to us from Scripture. Huh? The Hebrew vision for faith is just not uh, believing in God for the sake of believing. It is always the response. In fact, the Hebrew word emunah, which is the Hebrew word for faithfulness, literally translates as firm response or response of listening. This is what Paul gives us in Romans 1, 5 and 16, 26. Romans 16, 26, when he talks about the obedience of faith. The best translation there is the obedience that is faith, or the obedience that springs from faith. Why? Because it is that trust-filled relationship that comes out from faith. And in that trust-filled relationship, we respond. Huh? And in this way, Mary, as the model disciple, teaches us how to be docile, how to be docile. She listens to the Word of God, and as she receives the Word of God, as she literally is impregnated with the Word of God, she responds to the Word of God. And in this trust-filled response, she becomes, from moment to moment, docile to the Holy Spirit and to the life that God has called her to. I think that docility that you're talking about reminds me of when our Lord goes to visit the house of Lazarus, and Mm. Mary has chosen the better part where Mm -hmm. she is restful, she is docile at the feet of the Lord. 
and that aspect of being drawn to prayer, a lot of our preparation is when we go to prayer, do we spend time with the Lord being docile? Mm. Do we spend time with him, allowing him to speak to us, allowing the silence, allowing ourselves to be silent so that he can speak to us, Mm. and to have that trust in him to be docile. Our our modern world would say, well, you're just wasting time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But our Lord himself said in that passage about and I think Our Lady herself is, is such a wonderful example about being docile at the feet of the Lord, being docile at, in prayer, so that the richness of the Lord's favor can make its way into our heart. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, and silence is a virtue. It is a verb in this sense. It's in the process of becoming still, becoming quiet. One Romano Gardini talks about this, a wonderful uh, theologian who, who Benedict XVI is very high on, <laughs> by the way. You know, it says, we need to crowd out all the noise, and we need to enter into this silence so as to hear. If our Lord, paradoxically, would shout to us anything, it would be quiet, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because there's so much noise. And it's just not turning down the volume on a studio or a television. Um, it's quieting the heart. So often, Deaconry, I think there's a whole lot more interior chatter than there is external chatter. To turn the volume setting down on that sometimes can be very difficult, but this is the great challenge. Even though we only have uh, less than a week left before Christmas, I think it's a, uh, it reminds me, and it's, it's, also, it's a very good practice to try to quiet ourselves in some way daily, even for a few minutes with the Lord mm-hmm. in our prayer. Mm-hmm. If we're used to saying the rosary, to spend three or four minutes, five minutes afterwards, quieting ourselves, asking, telling him that we're open to him. Lord, speak to me, like with little Sam, speak to me, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. your servant is listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if it's a couple minutes a day, I think can be so rich in helping us to really connect more to the beauty of his word and the graces that he wants to give us. Amen. Yeah, in these last five, six days to Christmas, the noise is going to only get louder, right? (laughs) You won't have to turn up the volume setting everywhere you go. And so the challenge is there, but as as Pope Francis uh, reminds us, enjoy the gospel. Challenges exist so as to be overcome. And so in that sense, challenges are opportunities to grow. So um, with that, Dick and Ray, I think we are uh, out of time. Thank you for the gift of your time. Uh, much appreciated, and I know our listeners appreciate it as well. Very good to be with you again, Joe. Thanks, and we'll close with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. And God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.